2: There are nearly 20 million military vets in the U.S., and each week we focus on their stories. This is CBS Eye on Veterans. And we're back at CBS Eye on Veterans. I am your host, Navy veteran Phil Briggs, reporting for the Military News and Veteran Lifestyle website, ConnectingVets.com. Now, again, we're talking about this uh, Military Appreciation Entrepreneur Fair being hosted by University of Maryland Global Campus, and uh, actually kind of a sneak peek at uh, one of the guest speakers here, and um, she is an entrepreneur. She's a keynote speaker at many events, a consultant, a blogger, but most importantly, from the halls of montezuma to the streets of the dmv near washington dc she is a marine corps veteran and um as best described on the internet you google robin c fortner you'll see words like one of the best in the game a proven transformational leader with 30 years of experience leading managing enterprise level organizations and as she'll tell us she's got a passion to lead inspire and mentor others to reach their potential and walk confidently in their purpose This is why major corporations hire Robin C. Fortner to speak at their engagements and to help them lead. We're lucky to talk to her and find out a little bit more about this Marine's journey. Robin, welcome to CBS Eye on Vets.
1: Oh, wow. Thank you so much, Phil. I am so honored and happy to be here. It is absolutely my pleasure. Thank you very much.
2: Yeah. All right. Now, as I would have referred to you back in the day when I was a part of the E4 Mafia, uh, you'd have been a sergeant major.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I like that E-4 Mafia. Yes, we lean on our NCOs for sure. But yes, I, I am a Sergeant Major retired after 30 years from the United States Marine Corps. Proud of it every day.
2: Tell me a little bit about your journey now, because I know the Marine Corps has changed throughout the Watt generation. You. And, you know, most notably, uh, just the obvious, uh, I'm a man, you're a woman. That had to be an interesting path over the last two decades because you were in I think you know you started in one kind of Marine Corps and you finished in another kind of Marine Corps. Tell me about that journey. Tell me about what got you started, and uh, let's start with the early days of Robin Ford.
1: Sure, I appreciate that. So yes, I um as we was talking earlier, I'm originally from New York City, um, and I never thought I would join the military at all. We didn't really come from a military focus family, but um about 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 16 years old or so I knew I was gonna uh join a military branch and the Marine Corps just started to speak to me. So I jumped right on it, not really knowing what I was gonna do. So I've always been I've always had that ambition in me. From the very start, to just go out and, and and find a challenge and then figure out a way to conquer it. But once I started, I really didn't realize how much I was going to love the Marine Corps. Again, all this ups and downs, flaws, this functionality, the entire thing. But at the crutch of it, at the foundation of it, when you when you really can lean on the camaraderie and 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 what you gain and the, the the leadership acumen that you gain from the Marine Corps, I couldn't find another place that I would rather be except for being a Marine. So after four years, I started to re-enlist, and every four years, my hand was in the air again and again and again, and doors would just continue to open, opportunities that I continued to jump on, um, had a chance to go down to the depot, that's Paris Island Marine Corps Recruit Depot, absolutely one of the most rewarding tours you can do is to transform civilians into Marines, and I think that was the fire that, that sparked me in the leadership realm of lead, mentor, train coach. That is what really sparked me in that path. And so as I grew up as a Marine, I continued to go in that path. That passion continued to be fueled. Um, sure, I did my deployments. I've, I've worked in in on, on the ground, in the field. I've worked in every MSC that's major subordinate command within the Marine Corps to include training. And I still ended up, everything I did was still compassionately lead, train, mentor. So as I start to retire... I couldn't help but say that this next chapter, after doing 30 years in the military service, for me, I'm like, I want the next chapter to be my choice, what I want to do on my terms. And I just took a little bit after I retired and just started to reflect on not just what I've accomplished, but who I was as a person. And I wanted to enjoy my daily routine every day. So you know how they say, it's not really a job if you enjoy what you're doing. And this is where I started to lean towards is that, I wanted to speak. I wanted to teach. I wanted to teach others, just like you said, walk confidently in your path, things that I gained, all the skill sets that I gained throughout my time as a Marine. It has changed, Bill. You are so right. And, but I'll tell you, I was, I'm honored to be in the middle of that change. Because although we as women Marines started off differently 30 years ago, I'm proud of where we are today. And I'm telling you, they are kicking butt and they're showing that they're just as capable. Um, We can have another whole podcast on how that worked because I was part of what's called the Ground Combat Element Integrated Task Force. And that shaped the entire DOD and how we, we employ women in the combat roles. So lots of stories to tell on on where the women population is going, not just in the Marine Corps, but also in the DOD. Very proud of those ladies.
2: Ceiling breakers, glass ceiling breakers is what a lot of y'all were and are. Uh, and it's so good to see. Um, yeah. Quickly, I want to ask... What's one or maybe an example of an aha moment or something you saw that changed in the Marine Corps while you were in, most notably as a woman in the Marine Corps? Was there yeah. a situation you saw that was like, okay, look at that. We just made it better. We just we just got it right now.
1: Absolutely. There was many, um, but my mind is drawn back to what I alluded to earlier with the Ground Combat Element Integrated Task Force. Um, this is back in 2014, 2015. Fifteen. I think the aha, uh, not that many people didn't think it was going to happen, but then there was many people who didn't think it was going to happen. But like I said, this was where we were testing and, and looking at the feasibility of putting women into combat roles and how would we do that. So being at the crutch and the foundation of what that was gonna look like for the future of the Marine Corps was huge. It was pivotal, not just culturally, but also from the foundational standpoint of what our infantry and how we fight. Um, so those are huge aha moments because everybody was more focused honestly on whether or not the females can do it. And that, we, the, the, the direction that the leadership took, I enjoyed better because we looked at it as how was the warfighter going to do it regardless of gender? right? At the end of the day, what are our, um, you know, standards that, that was relevant to the way we fight in the, the future wars relevant for any warfighter? And once we started to change our focus on how we looked at um, what the narrative should be out of the ITF, magical things began to happen, right? We, 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 we took it from just being a gender-specific to gender-neutral How are we fighting and we found that we can tweak a lot of our uh, our SOPs in a way that we saw our standards period, no matter if there was male or females, we found that there was a better way to ensure that the warfighter was better equipped. didn't get a chance to say, but you know, my last duty station was with an acquisition unit, and and it was so rewarding to see some of the things that we talked about, like lighter pack, how much weight is a warfighter carrying, regardless of gender. Um, the, the the rounds that we carry, can can we use different material and still be safe? What we use for our well, the sappy place, the helmet material, things like that. All those things we talked about while I was on the ground with the ITF. In Second Marine Division, I saw it coming to fruition when I got to the acquisition unit, and I was able to lend a, a, a firsthand account to many many of those things happening behind the scenes, based on conversations that we had at the ITF. You know, we spoke about training as athletes at the ITF. How do we? PT, how do we bring the Marines through and actually train them as athletes from the onset and not just kill them and and, and incur so many injuries, but teach them that nutrition. And as you left uh, years later, you started seeing more force fitness instructors coming into the Marine Corps. So for me, just being at the pivotal part of I was at that table well, I remember talking about those things and we didn't have it in place. And then to watch the Marine Corps evolve, you know, and no one knows the original stories and that's fine. But to see that we, we took action to make sure that we put the warfighter first, not just females, not just infantry, the warfighter, who's going to actually be on the ground and actually put forth that effort to pursue the mission. So for me, the, the biggest aha moment is watching those things transpire.
2: Yeah. And, and, you know, I tell you, I've talked to so many of, you know, my fellow veterans, so many great combat veterans that have served over there. And there was a change somewhere around the surge era when some things were being implemented. Yes. Things did start to change. Packs got lighter. Things got more useful. The warfighter was equipped in a better way to do the business of war on the street and clear the grid. It just started working better. I remember one vet telling me that all of a sudden he remembers about halfway through his deployment. They started getting stuff, and the stuff that was coming was actually useful. It wasn't like a mop suit or some like you know some sort of chemical weapons protective gear they have to pack in there and never actually use, and it just takes up space and dead weight and I'll also remember this interview with another one of my veteran friends, Kirsty Ennis. And we sat down and started talking about her MOS and you know, what was she, she was involved uh, of course in a helicopter crash and lost her leg. But I was like, Hey, tell me about your MOS. And she was air crew. And I was like, Oh, cool. So, you know, you loaded the, it's like you loaded the helicopters and stuff. And she's like, yeah, she's like, not not so much. And I was like, what? She's like, I was a door gunner. Hmm. And I was like, yeah, man, that's right. Door gunners. I mean, that goes back to like, you know, as long as I've been helicopters, there's been a salty group of guys as the door gunners uh, famously depicted in Apocalypse Now. Right. Um, and there she was right. rad and bad as all of them, yeah. you know, getting her gun on. And I was like, that is cool. That was a that was another step that somewhere during GWAT. Went forward and a woman was able to get those goal wings to be able to sit at that seat and perform that mission Mm -hmm. that had never been opened before and Mm -hmm. did it as damn good as anybody because as you'd said, you look at them all kitted up, you know, you're Marine I I, I don't know what you are I can't even see the really see the cheekbones with the goggles on I mean, I don't know man woman whatever you're Marine.
1: That's true. And you have to trust the, the person to your left or your right. Right. I mean, you just have to trust. And we all train just like that. She's a badass. And, you know, I'm, I'm I'm so proud and I love to love watching her story as she goes around. Right. Um, it needs to be said more that there's so many out there just doing their job. And they they knew that that what they did and how they perform it. it it really does set the tone for so many people behind them, right? Um, And and the more you see that out there, the more we could chisel at any kind of biases and just allow Marines to or any service member, just allow them to serve. Because that's really what it's about. They want to serve and they want to serve well. Um, So we got to break up all the barrier piece and allow them that 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 opportunity and that's what the ITF was about it was just about opportunity no quotas no none of that just let it be an opportunity to prove that that they're capable of doing the exact same thing um just as well if not better and earn that trust um alongside their male peers um and then we go forth as as one full unit as you know as the Marine Corps and we're still growing we're still learning from things and again everybody got flaws and stuff like that so you know but but at the end of the day go back to those those core values that binds us together and you remember your why
2: now we've talked a lot about uh, you know our active duty days. Talked a lot about Marine Corps days. Uh, you get out after 30 years, Sergeant Major. You know you've trained, you've mentored, you've led. Uh, but then you go into this speaking space. You go into this mentoring space on the civilian side. And I don't want to give too much away because I because I know that you know to see you speak is probably you know that's the fire. That's that's what I want people to take in live. But um, like you will have spoken at the University of Maryland Global Campuses, uh, military appreciation and entrepreneur fair Um, share with me a little bit about the message you give kind of one how you got into speaking and then two, you know what is you know what's the crux of you know an RC Fortner message when you at the podium lighten
1: it up I love it I love it so uh, again speaking became as you know in the military a lot of senior leaders get called to speak Um, and and that's when I realized you know the passion for speaking um, because I would get called to speak and it became natural right it became natural the the, the more I wrote things out and tried to read it just did not work for me right it just wasn't working so everyone has to find their own little their own niche and what works in in their favor but I found for me um, you know you got to speak from the heart so I find that topic you get in front of those Marines or the that that that, that actual audience and it was just you turn into for me. I turn into a different, um, you know, fireball, if you will. <clears throat> and 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 you you watch and you see the transformation of your audience. So I learned that this is what ignites me. So when I retired, um, RC Fort Enterprise is a. My goal for RC for the enterprise is just that. I use the word enterprise for a reason. It's not just speaking, right? From executive coaching to government contracting, and speaking will always be at the heart because RC is a speaker. So that's going to always be at the heart of RC for the enterprise. But it's going to turn into an enterprise. That's the dream, right? Dream big or go home. So it's going to be an enterprise. Right. And literally, most people think I've been doing this for years. I retired in 2020. We established RC4 in 2021. And here we are. Um, So we're moving pretty fast. And I just see the goal just continuing to move. Uh, But I love bringing um, passion to the message. And I think that's what's missing sometimes is passion to the message. So when you see me in front, um, and as you know, the pandemic has put us in front of a camera behind a computer screen, and you try to get as much as you can out of that, but the real fire is when you can be and feel the electricity coming off the stage, when I can look people in their eyes and and there's an interaction going back and forth of, of transfer of energy, and they know that I truly believe what I'm saying.
2: Do you have any examples of times you've connected with people that you didn't necessarily expect to connect with or you think an audience took away more than they gambled for? Because I see some of these corporate speakers, you know, I was, just, I was just talking to Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill not too long ago. And I mean, he speaks in front of like J.P. Morgan Chase and Coldwell Banker, I mean, all these big old companies and 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 groups. And I think, you know, to those of us that have served somebody like you. Mm -hmm. You got to look at some of those like lawyers in love, those guys in ties, you know, they're there at the Hyatt Regency Mm -hmm. for the coffee break and they file into the conference room. And I mean, life's been good to some of them. (laughs) They got pretty, they got pretty hands. They got nice, soft skin. They, they haven't sweat. They haven't grind. They haven't worked. They haven't feared. They haven't had to tough it out and they haven't felt what you felt. Sometimes have you ever kind of had that moment at one of these things where you could sense they were just drinking it in and it was, it was real.
1: Oh yeah. And you know, the, the the ones I love the most is when you walk into a room and it's sometimes it's stoic, you know, and everyone's pretty stoic. (laughs) You know, just don't know how to take you. Don't know which way you're going, you know, and you feel that out a little bit, or maybe, you know, you know, they sit there and their, their cup is full. So in other words, they're not even ready to receive. Right, because maybe they know the information already, or didn't think they would get anything out of it. That's the challenge I love. I love that. That's when I cue into knowing how to watch your audience and cueing into those who feels like their cup is full, and then you bring them in. Um, you bring them in, and you get um, that 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 head starts to nod, and that's when I know I got them. You know, like hook, line, and sinker. I'm like, I'm going to feed on that because sometimes it takes you to just get one of them. And that's gonna permeate throughout the rest of the crowd, right? So it starts to permeate. So I just recall set several different ones, but what comes to mind a little bit is I did a Veterans Day speech last year in Colorado. Um, and again, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I don't want to make it always a woman to man thing, but sometimes I think men are looking for men sometimes to be the one to speak and here and here I am, right? And I, I just remember what 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 I found is that I cued in on certain veterans. And when I queued in on, on, on like a, I think he was a Korean vet and queued in on there to the point where I can touch the soul. And now I can see the crowd melting. I see people wiping eyes. And I knew then, got it, right? Um, Cause I'm not just talking something you can Google. I hit the soul of the man who served. And what that would mean to him for Veterans Day. And I watched and you can see the different ones. But what's rewarding for me is when they come up afterwards and man, you know, either it's a hug, a handshake, or just looking you in your eyes. And that's when, you know, it's meaningful to them. You know, the some of the words, you know, that they may say to you, things like that. That's what I take in. You know, it's not, no two speeches for me are alike. No two speeches for me has has ever been alike. People ask me sometimes to write it out. I'll say, you're going to have to record it and then write it out because I'm going to pivot. I'm going to speak from the heart. And so things may not always be like I even plan it to be. Because if I see something, I'm going to dive into that. And then that, I want to see how that permeates, how that permeates throughout the actual crowd. And sometimes it might not work the first time around. So you switch again. Mm -hmm. But in this case, What caught me was how meaningful it was for him. It wasn't traditional for him. And when he started to tear up and I mean, people was wiping eyes, I said, that's it. We're in there. Right. And I love it. And afterwards, he was so thankful. Um, And they were it was a group of them and they were thankful and they loved it. And they can go back and just understand how grateful we are for everyone's service. 1% One percent of the world serves, and I think we continue. We 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 have to continue to to draw notice to that and to celebrate that.
2: Yeah, that's what I love about this show. Even like I start with an intro, and then I mean I I haven't looked at this. <laughs> you haven't. As I, as I never know where it's gonna go. I don't know right? what's gonna come next. Uh, let's wrap with this. Uh, what are the key elements? Just a couple quick bullets, but the key words that define what an RC Fortner speech is about? What elements are you trying to teach a crowd, whether it's lawyers, whether it's real estate executives, whether it's a a group of veterans, uh, what are the key components that you try to share?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I have, again, it depends on what the message is. But one key element I always talk about is the CPR factor. Um, and I may talk about that a little bit tomorrow, so I don't want to give that away too, too much. But just, just in short, CPR has been my lifeline. And if you think about CPR um, and anything else, you're breathing life back into someone, right? So you're breathing life it would, in, in any matter. If I'm talking about mental health, I talk in the CPR factor. Um, and CPR simply stands for confidence. I change my piece sometimes, it could be proficiency or it can be purpose. I change that up sometimes, but that R remains solid and that's resilience, resiliency. And that has been my crutch. And I tell people all the time, that's my clutch is I've led, I've been successful in the Marine Corps, and now we will be successful outside of Marine Corps because of the CPR factor. Confidence, my P changes a little bit, depending on who I'm talking about or what that topic is, but that R remains the same. Resiliency, and that's that that again is my fire. And that's I think that's what you really gotta find something that that you can stand on. And once your foundation is set. Um, it doesn't matter when the, the adversary comes through, or there's adverse times when you have resilience, you can bounce back. So,
2: mm, I'm glad you're bringing that energy to the podium. I'm glad you're doing what you are doing. Tell me about how I find m- more out about RC Fortner Enterprises.
1: Yes, RC Fort- Fortner Enterprises on every social media outlet. Just that, just just as it, it is pronounced, RC Fortner Enterprise on Instagram, social media, um, uh, LinkedIn facebook and then rc for the enterprises.com so look me up um i'm I'm always happy to engage and to collaborate out there um it's it's just so wide of a range and that's what i love about technology is that no matter where you are we could definitely connect so looking forward to engaging with those who's listening and tomorrow engaging with those who are in person
2: outstanding rc fortner enterprises you can check it out at rcfortner.com and uh, again always great to have a marine on the show i love it man Ura semper fi Bye. and uh, we'll talk to you real soon
1: yeah thank you so much for what you're doing for the veteran community as well and just bringing awareness and highlights to those of us who are out here doing our thing so kudos to you phil as well thank you so much look forward to seeing you again
0: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans, ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings wherever you get your podcasts.